When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. I'm here. I'm Zach. Faraz is not with us again for the second straight episode, so you are graced with just me for today's episode. We're talking week 13 takeaways, going over everything that we have to go over, all the fantasy-relevant things that you need to know heading into week 14 from what we saw in Sunday's action yesterday. Just a complete wash of injuries like that was my okay before we get into all of the notes actually actual content here i just have to make a comment here on the number of injuries that we saw yesterday and it, they weren't all bad but when you have players like tank dell going down for the season like it's just ridiculous that one sucks we're gonna talk about that one in a little bit but just the number the sheer number of players that were in and out of lineups all that kind of stuff just Going in and out of the game because of injury was ridiculous yesterday. And maybe it was just me, but I thought there was a lot more going on in the injury department than we had seen in recent weeks. Like Kenny Pickett goes down, Tank Dell's out, Brian Robinson's out, Ramondre Stevenson's out, Derek Carr goes down, Derek Henry goes down, Puka Nakua left the game a couple times, Amari Cooper's out, Jalen Hurts left the game for a little bit. It was just like, can we get a break? I don't know if that was anybody else felt like that. But it sure felt like that for me this week. I had Tank Dell in a lot of leagues, and he he let me down. Not his fault, obviously, but I don't know why we're running a 160-pound receiver into that wash on a goal line play where Damian Pierce scored the touchdown. It's like, I don't know what they were doing, but it's fine. We're, we're going to work through these injuries. Everybody else is dealing with injuries. We're going to work through it here. That's what the point of this episode here is for. But speaking of that Texans game, we're talking about Tank Dell. We're just going to jump right into it. We're going to give you your weekly Texans backfield update. You remember how last week we were like, oh, maybe Devin Singletary, maybe he's going to take control of this backfield, kind of hold a lead in this backfield in terms of the workload moving forward since Pierce wasn't really doing anything these past few weeks. Well, that was turned on its head this week. The snaps were split nearly 50-50 between Singletary and Pierce, and Pierce led with 15 opportunities to Singletary's nine. Dare Ogumbawale, he was reintroduced into the backfield as a passing down back, and it wasn't Mike Boone or anything like that, so... 
you can't really trust any Texans running back next week. But Pierce, he probably has the best shot at a touchdown, given the way things swung in his favor this week. He had more carries. He had that touchdown this week. Pierce received 75% of the goal line snaps on Sunday. Not exactly sure what happened to Devin Singletary. It was a good run, but at this point, the Texans' backfield, once again, you can't really trust anybody from it. So I'm, I'm not looking to have any of these guys like in my lineup for sure. It's not like Devin Singletary is a smash start now. You, you, you can't really rely on that anymore. Brevin Jordan also had a 77% route participation while Dalton Schultz was out. If that continues, and with Tank Dell out, and I'll talk about that in a second, if that continues and he has that high of a route participation, he could have you know fantasy relevance. He could have some fantasy value down the line because there's going to be plenty of targets available in this passing offense with C.J. Stroud at quarterback. Tank Dell is out. That's a big loss. So we saw him do his thing a little bit. The production wasn't fantastic, but he is someone that you should have on your radar given his route participation this week. And Tank Dell's out for the season. It's a fractured fibula. That's about a four-month recovery. Nico Collins, <laughs> this is good news for him. As much as it sucks for, to see Tank Dell go down, Nico Collins, he's, he's the clear number one in the Texans wide receiver room now. He gave us a preview of what's to come. Nine for 191 and a touchdown, 44% target share. That was just ridiculous. You can't rule him out. He's going to be a low wide receiver one or high wide receiver two the rest of the way with upside any given week if he's going to be able to do that kind of thing, that kind of damage with Tank Dell out. And Noah Brown, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of production, but he did run the same number of routes as Collins and that he can provide some fantasy value moving forward. So don't write him off. Noah Brown, he had those big games the past couple of weeks before he came back this week. He missed a couple of weeks um, the past few weeks. But he had that those 250-plus yard receiving games. He's not anybody that you, just, you can just ignore at this point with Tank Dell out. So Noah Brown, you should definitely get him on the waiver wire if he's still there. If you have him, he might be worth a look as a start, as a flex, you know, next week. I, I think that you look at the way that this Texans receiving room is, it seemed like it was going to finally be, you know, fully healthy. It would be Tank Dell, Nico Collins, Noah Brown, Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz goes out. He misses this past game. And now Tank Dell is out. Suddenly things could be more stratified at the top. So don't lose sight of Noah Brown, even with Nico Collins, you know, being the clear number one here. Ramondre Stevenson, we talked about him going down. He's probably going to miss some time. Not exactly sure. Because at first, I think, I don't know if anybody saw reports coming out, but I saw a report come out that said it was a couple, it was going to be multiple weeks, three to five weeks. And then all of a sudden, later at night, they backtracked it. They said, oh, we, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, how long he'll be out. He seems like he has a high ankle sprain, so he'll probably miss a few weeks. But it remains to be seen what happens. But I think it's a foregone conclusion at this point. Given the way that he needed to be helped off the field, he didn't come back. He was ruled out pretty quickly. Given the nature of the injury, I'd say it's pretty safe to say that this week, you know, the Patriots play on Thursday against the uh, Steelers. I, I think you can pretty much pencil Zeke into your lineup. Zeke, he ended up playing every other snap at running back on Sunday. He's a volume-based RB2 against the Steelers on Thursday after seeing 21 touches. But, of course, there is the potential for that game to just be an absolute wash on offense, and there's not anything going on. So you're kind of playing against the odds here because neither of these offenses are going to be good, but points are going to be scored regardless. Someone has to be carrying the ball, and if Zeke's going to get those 21 touches in, in this game, because that's what he got. He was exclusively he's the guy at running back once Ramondre Stevenson went down. If he's going to get those touches, then he's going to be worth a look in your fantasy lineup, because if he scores a touchdown, then you're set. The ceiling is not high with Zeke. Let's just put it that way. We know it's not going to be high, but the floor, 10, 12, 14 points, I'll take that in my RB2 spot any day of the week. And you should too. 
Derek Carr, he suffered what seemed like a concussion, so he'll likely be out next week. It was maybe more than just a concussion because I think they listed him with like a shoulder injury, an arm injury, maybe like a back injury. Like he just got hammered on that one play. There's a good chance that we see Jameis Winston start next week, especially since this isn't Carr's first time around in the concussion protocol. But it's definitely worth mentioning, you know, with Jameis Winston at quarterback, Chris Olave just he got his targets. Chris Olave was getting his targets with Derek Carr quarterback too. But it is hilarious that. As soon as Jameis Winston comes in, if you if you're watching a game, Chris Olave had that one 31 yard catch off the hands of the defender. It just hit the defender square in hands. He dropped it, tipped it up in the air, and Chris Olave got it. So heads up play by Chris Olave. But that's like the most Jameis Winston way of producing in fantasy football, where you throw the ball to the defender, and then your top wide receiver just happens to catch it and take it down to the two. The Chris Olave could have had a bigger day too in this game because twice he was underthrown. And then, well, that one, and then another game, uh, another play in the game where he was tackled at the one-yard line. He could have had a much bigger day. So don't worry at all about Chris Olave moving forward. We know that the production hasn't been fantastic, but it's been plenty serviceable. So keep putting Chris Olave in your lineup. Don't worry about him. Jawan Johnson, you know, also after a week, after running 85% uh, a route on 85% of snaps last week, you know, that went all the way down to 61% this week. He only got three targets. He gave you a fat donut in your lineup if you started him. We're going to take the L here. And I know Faraz had recommended him as a solid streamer this week if you need help with the position. We didn't really see this role reducing as dramatically as it did. But it also doesn't surprise us either that Taysom Hill came in and it was a Taysom Hill game and he just did all the running. He was vulturing touchdowns like he usually does from Alvin Kamara. Very frustrating. Very weird offense. One of the least fun to predict just with the way that the Saints offense works because it's one player one week and then the next week it's Jimmy Graham scoring touchdowns and Taysom Hill running touchdowns. It, like, there's so many moving parts and that's the way it's going to continue to be. So whenever you start any Saints player, just bear in mind that it just might not be their day. <laughs> that's you, you have that threat looming over your head if you're going to start one of these guys. Juwan Johnson, he's a very good receiver. You know, he can, he can catch the ball and he was playing well the past couple of weeks. But this week, it just wasn't his week. Uh, that's just the nature of this Saints offense. In that same game, Jameer Gibbs, only two targets. You know, the lines did go up early. Golf only threw the ball 25 times. But this is the first time that Gibbs hasn't had at least five targets since week three. Like, we'd expect that to bounce back next week against Chicago. I mean, just look at the, the game script. It's probably going to be much better. You know, two somewhat down performances in a row for Gibbs these past couple of weeks. But we, you have to keep putting him in your lineup. And especially next week against the Bears, they've been allowing a lot of points to the running back position. It's also worth noting that Dave Montgomery, he's still the clear, clear lead running back on early downs. It's really the receptions that need to be there for Gibbs to have his value. That's all you need. And that's going to continue moving forward. This game where he had only two targets is not the rule. It's the exception to the rule. The rule has been Jameer Gibbs gets five or more targets. That's happened in each of the past six games. And in, I think it was like eight of the last ten. He has a lot of, of targets in all these games. They finally worked out this role for him in this offense where it's going to continue to happen moving forward. It just wasn't there for him on Sunday. And it also wasn't there for Amon Ross St. Brown. It was weird. He did score that touchdown. It was a very quiet game for him by his standards. Granted, the Lions didn't have to do a whole lot of throwing the ball because they went up. It was 21-0 within the first seven minutes of the game. You know, there was no reason for them to be hammering the pass. And, and that goes back to the discussion about game script where Dave Montgomery was the guy, you know, the one getting the touches, the one getting the production. 
That's the way that this game went. The Saints were playing catch-up all day. So I'm not worried about Jameer Gibbs. I don't think Faraz will be worried about Jameer Gibbs either. The way that you look at this, it's just you have to start Jameer Gibbs next week because he has that talent. It's just been two quiet weeks. The weeks before that, like you weren't thinking twice about putting him in your lineup. The talent hasn't changed. The game scripts have been weird these past two weeks. Keep him in your lineup moving forward. Brees Hall. Now, disclaimer, if you watched, <laughs> if you actually chose to watch the Jets and Falcons game, unless you're a Jets and Falcons fan, like if you actually chose to watch that game over any of the other games and maybe red zone, <laughs> you know, if you have red zone um, on Sunday afternoon, what are you doing? That was just a ridiculous game. But Brees Hall, the, effic the efficiency on the ground, it's just been absolute shit. Teams are stacking the box. They're taking him out of the game. They don't have to respect the pass at all. Now, they've ended up putting Trevor Simeon in this game, and it was just ridiculous. Like I think it was Trevor Simeon. Uh, yeah. Some backup quarterback, right, behind Tim Boyle, behind Zach Wilson, there's not a single quarterback that's going to save the Jets from being the Jets on offense this season. So we, at this point, kind of need Zach Wilson back. Hate to say it but we kind of need Zach Wilson back for Brees Hall to get anything going because he was having his best games with Zach Wilson under center. And we would think that would be the case for Garrett Wilson, who also had a quiet day. It was very disappointing. And I will not continue to talk about this because it makes me infuriated because he would be an all pro, you know, if he didn't have nobody's at quarterback. But these defenses don't have to respect the pass at all. <laughs> Brees Hall is going to have a hard time running against a stack box on every single play. Like the floor is there in PPR, but we haven't seen that ceiling in a while. He's been under three yards of carry in five of his last six games, 13 carries for 16 yards in this one. Just absolutely brutal. You know, he's an RB2 in PPR next week against Houston. But if you're not in a PPR league, like you're praying for a breakaway run or reception, he's very capable of that. It makes it really tough to bench him. But he hasn't had that these past few weeks. And at a certain point, we can't continue to expect different results from the same thing. The Jets are a mess on offense. I would I would be surprised if we saw him break in um, any, anywhere near a high RB1, mid RB1, low RB1. He's going to be an RB2 at best, the way that this Jets offense is playing, barring a miracle where he has a couple break breakaway runs. But it's going to be tough in that game for the Jets to do anything with Houston playing very well coming in that next matchup. I do have a request for you guys just in the middle of this. You know, most of you who listen aren't subscribed to the podcast. If you could take just a few seconds to do that now, it helps us out so much. It helps to keep us consistent. It helps improve the show. It helps keep Faraz on the show because I know you guys like hearing what he has to say. It helps more people find out about us, which in turn helps us improve the show. You know, more shows can be added. More types of shows can be added. We have a whole lot of plans for this podcast. It's only going to get bigger and better, but we need your help to do that. Hitting the follow button on your podcast app means a ton, means the world to us. Hitting the subscribe button on YouTube means everything as well. So if you guys could go ahead, just take a second right now well, before we continue. Just go ahead and subscribe on whatever podcast app you're using and hit subscribe on YouTube. It means the world to us, and it's going to change the game for us moving forward. You can, you can help us do that. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. James Conner, moving on. 
he came out of nowhere. <laughs> Huge performance against his old team. 25 carries for 105 yards, two touchdowns. He also ended up getting some of the passing down work as well with Amari DeMarcado getting banged up in this one. Michael Carter was involved a little bit, but not a whole lot. He had that one run, but outside of that, it was a pretty quiet day for him. It was James Conner dominating the backfield. Kyler Murray didn't throw it a whole lot, and it was weird because the Cardinals went up and they were in this positive game script the whole time. This game was a complete mess. You know, in terms of the, the weather delays really make it difficult for players to gain traction and actually continue, you know, if they have to stop, start on and off the field, it's going to make it really hard for any continuity um, in terms of fantasy production. You know, things can change. There's no flow to the game. So it's hard to take a whole lot of this one, especially with the elements, but it was very good news for James Conner. You know, he got his workload. That's This is the workload that we've been waiting to see with him. And I don't want to say it's continue going to continue, but it's definitely encouraging for James Conner, considering what we've seen from him in the past few weeks. Murray didn't throw it a whole lot, like I said, because of the weather. But when he did throw it, it was to Trey McBride. You know, he had another huge game, eight catches, 89 yards and a touchdown on nine targets. He counted for a 39% target share. That is just ridiculous. You know, he's on this tear where it's like we have to start considering him as a potential elite tight end one. Moving forward, the rest of the season, and maybe in, in Dynasty, like he has to be up there, top two or three, the way that he's playing right now. He, he has earned the target share week in and week out, independent of which quarterback is playing. We saw earlier Josh Dobbs playing. He got the target share. Clayton Toon, he got it. And now with Kyler Murray these past few weeks, he's clearly the favorite target in the offense. And now Holly, Hollywood Brown, he ended up leaving the game because of the heel injury that he came in questionable with. So he had no catches, donut in the lineup if you started him. He ran 20 routes. So that was 74% of the dropbacks. If he's running that many routes, you'd expect him to put something up. You know, at this point, the way that Trey McBride is producing, he's doing that alongside other receivers who are getting plenty of looks. McBride is the number one target in this offense. He's extremely efficient. He's a target hog, and you're extremely happy if you have him right now. But you're even more happy if you have him in Dynasty. This is someone that you could be starting for years to come. And it's easy to get caught up in it because he's having a very good stretch of games here. But look at what anybody else in the passing game was doing yesterday. Uh, the same way that the elements are going to affect receivers negatively, you know, you have to give him his props, give Trey McBride his props for getting it done in the receiving game on a day where it's just straight up pouring all day. He caught eight of his nine targets. Like, that is extreme efficiency you know especially given the conditions i'm giving him his flowers here in this one Trey mcbride he has a potential to be an elite tight end one you know moving forward and in that same game kenny pickett like we mentioned earlier he's going to have ankle surgery for the high ankle injury he re-aggravated he's going to miss some time he's not being placed on ir but you have to imagine at this point that mr bisky he's going to be a starter for the foreseeable future potentially the rest of the way this might be a good thing for deontay johnson who who knows what's going on with him? It's been a very odd couple weeks these past few weeks. You know, even just take away the the production on the field. The way that he's celebrating in excess after a touchdown when they're down two scores to a team that's in the top three for draft picks. Like, it, and then the last week, like I mentioned on the podcast, he was playing pretty much walk ball if he wasn't on if the play wasn't called where he gets the ball. Very weird, you know, things that we're seeing from Deontay. But his last two touchdowns have come from Trubisky, including the one in this game. There was no clear target leader in this game. Deontay Pickens and Fryermuth all had five targets in this one. Really just weird production. So maybe maybe Trubisky coming back will give him a little bit of touchdown upside that he didn't have with Kenny Pickett. But still, you're going to want to temper expectations moving forward, even though 
Deontay Johnson is earning the targets, it, it, this, this Pittsburgh offense isn't that good. It's still going to be an issue moving forward, especially with Kenny Pickett down. I do think that Kenny Pickett is good enough to get Deontay Johnson to the point where it's like, okay, he can be a low wide receiver too on a weekly basis. I don't know if I trust that type of consistency on a week-to-week basis with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. But like we said, the touchdown upside would be there. I think that he's more volatile than he was. And I, the way that I've been using Deontay Johnson and the way that you've probably been using Deontay Johnson in your lineup is as a solid, secure, flex play or wide receiver three. And now you don't really have that. So now it's questionable. It's like, okay, he could have a pretty low floor any given week. We'll see what happens moving forward. And in that backfield, like talk about falling short in a fantastic matchup. Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Najee Harris had 16 carries, Jalen Warren's nine. Warren ended up with only four less rushing yards compared to Harris, despite getting seven less carries. Both of them saw three, saw three targets in this game, but this was, bottom line, a lost opportunity for the Steelers. You know, first of all, losing at home 24 to 10, like we mentioned, but also not taking full advantage of the Cardinals' defense. Kyron Williams blew this defense out of the water Yes, uh, last week. He had the, two touchdowns, and the 38 PPR points. This looked like a match made in heaven. You know, Jalen Warren and Najee Harris have been the engine of this offense. Completely weather-affected game. The rain is coming down so hard that you'd think that, okay, we're not going to be throwing the ball as much. Kenny Pickett gets injured. Of course, we're going to rely on the running backs, but they did, and the, the, the production just wasn't there. Maybe give the ball more to the guy averaging almost seven yards per carry. That's Jalen Warren. You know, maybe that could have been something to do with it. Najee did have a much larger workload in this one than Warren. We had Warren high this week, and we're going to have to take the L here. You know, after the way this rushing offense has performed lately, you look at the way these running backs, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, have performed. Like, you would have thought going up against the Cardinals would have been a cakewalk for them, but it wasn't. You know, one of the knocks on Mike Tomlin is overlooking these type of opponents, and it happened once again. Not what you want to see. It was just a complete letdown. You were expecting a lot of points from these guys. We were expecting a lot of points from these guys. We thought both of them would be high RB2s the way that they were producing, you know, coming into this one, and they completely let you down. So I don't want to buy too much into it because it was like an outlier performance based on what we've seen these past couple of weeks, but you just have to hope it doesn't become a trend. Zach Moss, speaking of uh, workhorse running backs, he ended up playing the bell cow role again with 94% of snaps for the Colts with Jonathan Taylor out the first game back. He couldn't find the end zone, but he and he wasn't overly involved in receiving games, so it didn't amount to fantasy points, but he did end up with 22 opportunities, and that's exactly what you're looking for from Zach Moss if you started him. It's hard to be mad at a player if they get all the opportunities like Zach Moss did in this game and he doesn't produce. The Titans stifled the run game in this one. His 19 carries only went for 51 yards, probably his worst game of the season. He has a great matchup against the Bengals next week, though, so make sure that he's in your lineup for that one. I'm not panicking over this matchup, uh, this performance against the Titans. The Titans have a good run defense, and it was Michael Pittman getting it done on the outside all day. The, The passing game was on fire in this one for the Colts, and you can't really hold that against uh, Zach Moss, like I, like I said, when he has 22 opportunities, that kind of utilization, the production will regress to the mean, you know, over a couple weeks. And if he's going to get that next week against the Bengals, there's a good chance that that happens. And speaking of Michael Pittman, man, like talk about a fantastic receiver, underrated receiver, somebody that doesn't get enough love, 16 targets, 11 catches, 105 yards and a touchdown. We talked about him having that good matchup and Josh Downs having the tough matchup. 
that played out in this one exactly how it was supposed to by the book. You know, if you look at the way the matchups were shaken out this week, Downs only caught three balls for 14 yards. But Pittman has emerged. You know, he's just one of the league's best wide receivers. And he doesn't get enough love, I don't think, because of the quarterback situation that's been going on in Indianapolis for the past few years. But now we're finally seeing some consistency, some continuity under center. He was doing it with Anthony Richardson the first few weeks of the year before he went down. And Gardner Minshew is nobody to sneeze at. He's a starter in this league. Okay, there are quarterbacks in this league that are starting that should not be over Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew, if you go and you make a list of the top 32 quarterbacks in the league, Gardner Minshew's a backup right now, technically, but he's a starting quarterback. And he's not a bad, he's he's not a bad like back. It's not like he's a clear backup. He's not a bad starter. He, he's pretty good, especially in terms of supporting fantasy receivers. You know, Michael Pittman, he's a clear alpha. He's getting the job done. He's a weekly fantasy wide receiver one at this point. He's finished as a top 16 wide receiver in each of the past seven weeks now. Solid matchup next week against the Bengals. And Josh Downs, he'll be more in play for that game because the matchup out of the slot isn't as bad as it was this week. But you can't take Michael Pittman out of your lineup at this point. He's a wide receiver one. Like, deal with it. Derrick Henry in that game on the other side, he had a fantastic game, but he might have suffered a concussion late in the game after he scored all of his fantasy points. At least if he's going to get injured, that's the way you do it. You score all your fantasy points and then you exit the game. I'm kidding. Of course, you know, you don't want anybody getting hurt, but he didn't come back into the game after he left. If he's out next week, Tajay Spears, he should be in lineups as a clear three down back. We've talked about it plenty of times over the off season, even through this season, you know, Spears has been very good as a running back in his limited opportunities this year. He's looked like he's capable of handling that three down workload if Derrick Henry would go down. Now we have a chance where it's like, okay, Derrick Henry might be out. Spears goes into your lineup. He could have some nice upside next week. So I, I'm not worried about starting Spears. He, it's not a question in my mind. If Derrick Henry is out, you're going to be putting Spears in your lineup. I think as an RB2, I think that would be the ideal way to have him, but I think he does have very solid upside in this offense. Speaking of running backs, coming back, having some relevance, Devon Achan, he's back and back with a vengeance. <laughs> he came back. He ended up scoring two touchdowns on 17 carries after getting most of his work in the second half. Once the game was out of hand, Mostert led the snaps in the first half. But Achan, you know, leaving the game, he left the game unscathed. It's a good sign for him to get more touches from the jump moving forward. There should be enough to go around for him and Mostert the rest of the way that the the way that this Dolphins offense works, the upside that they have on a weekly basis can't be ignored. So you're starting Devon Achan as long as he's healthy the rest of the way, purely off of the fact that they could hit home runs. And he can they can get down to the goal line and he can run some touchdowns in. That's exactly what happened in this one. The Dolphins were up by 24 at halftime in this one. And to no one's surprise, you know, it it was a blowout for the Dolphins against the Commanders. But the fact that they left Achan in in the second half, tells you that's like, okay, this is good. He's getting his feet underneath him. He had that production, and he now has touchdowns, like multiple touchdowns in almost every game he's played this season, that at least that he stays healthy in. So you can't ignore Devon Achan. You're going to be playing him the rest of the way. Raheem Mostert also still a viable play. Didn't have quite the upside in this one, but again, when the Dolphins go up like they did, there's no reason to run the 31-year-old running back into the ground. You know, that's Devon Achan's job. He's the young guy. He can do it. So disappointing somewhat performance given all the points that were scored. If you had Raheem Mostert in your lineup, he ended up with a relatively quiet afternoon, but he didn't leave you hanging either. So both of these guys will be started but moving forward. And Tyreek Hill, like we don't usually talk about the obvious players like Tyreek Hill 
you know, in the takeaways episodes, but you have to acknowledge the 157 yard, two touchdown performance that he had. He's doing Tyreek Hill things every single week. The matchup was too easy for the Dolphins offense. He came right through. He wasn't the wide receiver one. Technically, we ranked him as wide receiver one. Pretty much everybody had him as wide receiver one this week, given the matchup. He wasn't the wide receiver one, but he came through in a huge way. He had most of his fantasy points in the first half. The second half, they hardly threw the ball at all. There was no reason to run Tyreek Hill down the field and do it three more times, besides the fact that fantasy managers would have loved it. So just Tyreek Hill is a fantasy cheat code right now. He is well on pace to hit that 2,000-yard mark. Now, he has to average over 100 yards gain the rest of the way, but if there's anybody that has the best chance of doing that, it's going to be Tyreek Hill. So he has been ridiculous. It's just worth noting in this game that he continues to be ridiculous, and he is the overall wide receiver one. I think he's the top overall player, just player overall, maybe even with Josh Allen on by this week. So may- maybe he eclipsed that. I don't have the stat check on that right now, but that, that could be the case. Bottom line, Tyreek Hill, fantasy cheat code. Brian Robinson ended up leaving this game on the other side with a hamstring injury. Washington, they have the bye this week, so it's possible he's back by the time week 15 rolls around. But Antonio Gibson, if Brian Robinson's out, he'd be a pretty good play. You know, if he were to miss any time after the bye, it's possible that Chris Rodriguez plays a role in early downs, but I'd assume that Gibson sees a solid uptick in work if Brian Robinson would be out. Gibson has looked like the better running back in terms of his pass catching ability, and that showed the past few weeks with Brian Robinson losing that receiving role that he had when Antonio Gibson was out. Now if Brian Robinson's out, Antonio Gibson could could pick up a few more carries as well because I don't think Chris Rodriguez just slides into that early down role completely. I think we could see more Antonio Gibson than we're used to seeing on the on those downs, those early downs, but he wouldn't have a full grip on it either because Chris Rodriguez would take some of them. But it would secure his fantasy floor and make him a solid play as RB2 in Week 15. But of course, all of this is dependent on whether Brian Robinson can come back in just over two weeks at this point with their bye in Week 14. Juba Hubbard, he took over again, you know, for for the second time. We said this a couple weeks ago, and then Miles Sanders came back and said that his death was largely exaggerated, but now he's he's back. He's back to this point where he's being overtaken by Chuba Hubbard in this backfield again. After getting less than 50% of Carolina's rushing attempts over the last two weeks, Hubbard took over the backfield with 73% of rushing attempts. <laughs> so that's huge. It changed back in his favor. That was a 25 attempts, 104 yards, two touchdowns on the ground yesterday against the Buccaneers. Two top 12 finishes in a row. Chuba has a good shot at remaining the RB2. Um, in the RB2 conversation for the rest of the season. Just the way the way that this game went was very weird because the Panthers weren't doing anything in the air. But on the ground, Chuba Hubbard was doing his thing. It kept the game close towards the end. Chuba Hubbard, it's pretty clear at this point. And, and I don't want to say that the coaching staff and the coaching changes have made Miles Sanders obsolete because he did come back. He did see an uptick in snaps and work after the coaching changes were made. But we're back to Chuba Hubbard. It's like you have to. I think maybe this is them realizing, okay, Chuba Hubbard is a much better running back at this point than Miles Sanders. They pay Miles Sanders a lot of money, but Chuba Hubbard's playing way better, and you can't take him off the field. And I think that this performance is perfectly indicative of where these running backs are trending. You know, the rest of the way. Like if you have to start a Carolina running back the rest of the way, it's obviously going to be Chuba, and you're going to feel pretty good about it too, because he has become the quasi engine of this offense, considering that there hasn't been anything going for the Panthers in the passing game these past few weeks. And speaking of that, Adam Thielen's fall-off is real. <laughs> it, it, he's come all the way down 
from being on top of the moon earlier this season. You know, he's it felt like he was defying the uh, odds a little bit here in the Panthers offense because he was getting a lot of targets, but it was like Bryce Young hasn't looked that good. You know, the Panthers offense hasn't been that good. It felt like it was almost destined to crash, but we were going to ride it out as long as we could. Well, we wrote it out as long as we could, and the past couple of weeks have just been abysmal. What sucks about this situation is that he was balling out early, you know, and it's hard to bench him now because it's like, are those targets going to come right back? Like, it could happen any week, but he's just not earning the targets. This was a good matchup for him. He had less than 20% target share this week, and he's done that three games in a row now. The Saints, they just shut down Amon Ra. That's who the Panthers are playing next week. I don't know if I'm going to take my chances with Thielen next week. You know, the way that the target share has been structured, you know, earlier in the season, he was getting the target share. He was matchup proof. But now those targets aren't going aren't going to be there. You know, you, you can't trust Thielen at this point. Like maybe regression has hit and, you know, we were worried about everything crashing down and maybe it's happened. I don't know if I see a path for Thielen to get back to those 10, 11 targets a game especially if Jonathan Mingo is going to be getting a bunch of targets, if Chuba Hubbard is going to be leaned on in the ground game because that was the name of the game last night. and Not last night. Well, yeah, it was last night at this point. It, that was the name of the game last night, to just lean on the ground game, have some complimentary passing attack. I don't know if there's a, a route for Thielen to get back to that wide receiver one status the rest of the way. It was a fun ride while it happened. While it was, it was good while it was here, but it's pretty much gone at this point. Joe Flacco came back and... He didn't look that bad. Like if if you ask me, and I I don't want to trash any of the Browns quarterbacks that have already played this season, but if you want to talk about least, Joe Joe Flacco, he looked like he had a lively arm for being thirty nine years old. <laughs> he was throwing the ball downfield, and granted, he had the pick that he threw, but he wouldn't have had to throw that pick in the first place if they would have just hit the extra point. This could have gone to overtime. There could have been even more fantasy points scored in this game, but then things just got away from him and snowballed as soon as they missed that extra point. But Elijah Moore. He ended up leading the Browns in targets with 12. <laughs> like That's huge. Amari Cooper ended up leaving the game with a concussion, so maybe that played into a little bit. But if Amari Cooper misses next week, you know, more is a PPR wide receiver three play against the Jags. Remember Joe Flacco? You know, he had a couple games with Moore when they were on the Jets together. Moore ended up going four for 83 on 12 targets. It's not the most efficient performance, but this is about as solid as he's looked in the target share department as he's been in, in Cleveland. So... Joe Flacco, throwing the ball a lot. I thought he passed the eye test for me. If you want to talk about, does Joe Flacco look like he can support some fantasy relevant wide receivers yesterday? I think the takeaway is yes. I, I think that he can. Hopefully, hopefully, that's the case. We know Dorian Thompson-Robinson might be back. We're, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. But Joe Flacco had them in position to not only you know tie the game, but also win the game potentially. Things just snowballed out of control. So it'll be interesting to see. I think having Joe Flacco, a quarterback, is going to have better results in terms of yielding fantasy production from the pass catchers in his Browns offense than having DTR back there would be. But that's just me. That's based on what we've seen. It's a small sample size of Joe Flacco. But I thought the target share, the amount of targets, the way that he was throwing, it looked good. In that same game, Puga Nakua really came through in this one. And we talked about Denzel Ward being out for the Browns. That definitely helped. But Puka took his seven targets and went four for 105 on a touchdown. And that one beauty of a 70-yard touchdown for Matthew Stafford hit him right in stride. And that's exactly what you wanted to see in the first quarter, too. So that started his day off with a bang. All of that happened while he missed the entire second quarter with a rib injury. Now, that was really deflating because then after that second quarter, I don't think he, he wasn't targeted 
pretty much in the third half, or he didn't have a catch. He might have been targeted, but he didn't have a catch in the third half. In the second half, I don't know why I'm saying third half, in the second half. But he did have a run for 31 yards, which was great. That looked good. Very C.D. Lamb-esque. And then he ended up coming back, and he had another 45-yard run towards the end of the game, but that was called back by a holding penalty that probably shouldn't have been called. So the way that things are trending right now, you look at the usage in this one. Puka Nakua, he had... He had plenty of targets in the first half. He had the injury. threw off his day, definitely. He still came through for you. But you look at the way he's been producing in this offense. Compare it to Cooper Cup, who needed the touchdown to save his day. Is Puka Nakua, finally, is is he the most trustworthy receiver in this Rams offense? I I think that could be the case. You know, Cooper Cup did lead the Rams in targets with eight, but he only went six for 39 in that game-saving touchdown. He could still be fine, but... He's going to be in the wide receiver two conversation from now on. Like I think he's now squarely out of the wide receiver one conversation. It's been long enough. It's been enough weeks for us to say that, okay, Cooper Cup, you're not the same Cooper Cup that you were the past two years. And it's really disappointing, but it's a reality that we have to kind of come to grips with, especially with the way Puka Nakua is playing. If you have to have a wide receiver from the Rams the rest of the way, Puka Nakua is the one you want. Like Just look at the game logs. Look at the utilization. Both... Both factors point towards Puka Nakua as being the one that you want over Cooper Cup. And Cooper Cup, he can be a wide receiver too, but that high wide receiver one upside is pretty much gone with the way this Rams offense is built. Kyron Williams still contributing. He had the two touchdowns at the end of the game. You can't trust Cooper Cup as much as Puka Nakua anymore at this point. It's a pretty tough matchup for both of these guys next week against the Ravens, but they're going to be must-starts against the Commanders in two weeks in the first week of the fantasy playoffs. Like That's going to be an amazing matchup for both of these guys. And Cooper Cup can come through in, in, in that matchup two weeks from now. So maybe we'll be having a different conversation. But right now, Puka Nakua is the trustworthy, the most trustworthy wide receiver on the Rams. Kenny Gamewell, he ended up outsnapping DeAndre Swift, who just got decapitated on the last drive of the game. <laughs> you know, the Eagles were down the entire game. Gamewell ended up being the primary passing down back. Keep an eye on Swift because he did leave with what could be a concussion at the very end of the game. It was just an absolute laser beam of a hit. That was laid on him. I think it was Lenoir on, on the 49ers, but there was no reason to have DeAndre Swift in the game at that point. They were down three scores, but maybe they were just playing it out. DeAndre Swift ended up taking that big hit. So definitely keep an eye on that. Not a whole lot that you can really take from this one in terms of takeaways from the fans on on in terms of fantasy takeaways on the Eagles side of this one because it was just a blowout game script. There wasn't much that they were doing. There wasn't much going for him well at all, you know, last night. So keep an eye on Swift. He's going to continue to be the same type of fantasy player. He's going to be a mid to low RB2 the rest of the way, um, as long as he's healthy. Kenny Gamewell, he'll be worth a look off the waiver wire if he's there, if DeAndre Swift would miss any time. But at this point, it's just speculation. We're going to figure out exactly what's going on, hopefully, with DeAndre Swift in the coming hours, which we'll update you on, I'm sure, in some form on either Instagram. We'll talk about it on the podcast coming up. And then Sunday night's game, the Packers and the Chiefs, like, there's a whole conversation to be had about the officiating at the end of that one. But it was another big game from Christian Watson. Was he about to have a big end of the season? <laughs> Things were trending that way. You know, th- these past couple weeks, he's come on. He's been used more in the red zone. He's had at least two end zone targets in each of the past three games. No other Packers receiver can claim that same type of usage down in the where the money is made. Four touchdowns in his last three games. But now he has a hamstring injury. And if you saw the hamstring injury happen on the field, it, it didn't look good. There's no 
diagnosis yet right now about how long he could be out. There's no timeline about when he could be back. But he just dropped to the ground. <laughs> and it looked, and I, I don't want to say it's like ACL-esque, because obviously we're not talking about a knee injury. We're talking about a hamstring. But just the way that he dropped, it was non-contact. It, it just looked bad. So he's been dealing with a hamstring injury pretty much over the year. You know, he's kind of been tending to that. And he was finally starting to get healthy. Hopefully he doesn't have to miss too much time. But if he does, Romeo Dobbs, he's going to become a lot more fantasy relevant, you know, than he has been the past few weeks. And Jaden Reed, he's going to become a very solid wide receiver three. You know, he's been getting it done the past couple of weeks. And with Christian Watson out, that would be some heavy target competition out of the way. He could be used even more than he's been these past couple of weeks. And like I mentioned, that game, it was interesting. I was kind of happy to see that the Packers win, but it was also the whole controversy at the end of the game with with the officiating. I'm not going to comment on that, but that was one of the biggest headlines, you know, just overall in in that game. Very interesting week of football in week 13. And a lot a lot of stuff going on, a lot of moving parts, a lot of things happen that have ramifications for down the line. Hopefully, you've been able to take some of what we've seen, what we think, and what I've said and apply it to your fantasy leagues and hopefully, you know, make some good moves and win. That's going to do it for this episode. Hopefully, Faraz will be back next week. We'll see. I know you guys are dying to get him back on the podcast, but thank you for listening. We're, thank you for taking the time, you know, making the podcast part of your day. Go ahead and hit subscribe again, please. You know, we really appreciate it. If you go ahead and hit that subscribe button, both on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts and YouTube, it means the world for us. It's going to help us keep upgrading and upgrading this podcast, giving you guys the upper hand. That's going to do it for this episode. We'll see you guys either Tuesday or Wednesday, one of these two days. I'll, I'll definitely see you Wednesday for when we do that podcast. So thanks for listening. See you.